Hello, everyone. Welcome to the whole cast for 7500tohold.com. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Robert Lintot, as always. And not as always, coming off a of Villa win and into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Robert, what do you make of it? I uh, make ecstatic thoughts. One win away from Wembley. What a thrill. What I mean, I was I was pretty thrilled when I saw the draw. It was another yeah, was... another pretty good weekend of results, especially I mean for Bradford City, who can taunt BBC for not even putting their their match with Sunderland on. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, they talked about that a lot on uh, Guardian Football Weekly this week, and and uh, Barry Glendening was making the point that how in the hell were the BBC supposed to know that they needed to put Bradford Sunderland on? Especially when the the last match, it was kind of a weird TV schedule. They didn't all start on the hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a little bit strange, but um, uh, I I think Villa did as well as could be expected in that draw. Really, the only goals were avoid Arsenal, Manchester, and Liverpool. I and I think Arsenal most of all, really. I think Arsenal. I mean, you see Manchester United been getting called a long ball team or whatever, and. I don't know. They haven't. They haven't been great under Van Gaalis, and especially in the cup. Cambridge almost beat them, and then Preston won a goal up, and a couple debatable calls could have even been one-one. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there definitely could have been a replay there. There was a lot of uh, BS going on in that match. Even avoiding uh, the winner of that draw is is maybe just important, though. Yeah. If, if Villa can get to the next round. Yeah, absolutely. But really, at that at this point, I feel like if you make the semifinals of the FA Cup, you're calling it a win no matter what. Oh, un- undoubtedly. Um, you know, in, in a you year that's been such West Brom. Yeah, absolutely. And in a year that's been such unmitigated crap, just making those semifinals uh, would be nice. We've got a guarantee of a lower league squad making the semifinals, though. Yeah. Because uh, you've got Reading. Is it Bradford? Bradford, Bradford, yeah, they have Reading and Blackpool have Derby. That's right. Uh, well, no, 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 no. There's, there's, there's oh. something wrong. Uh, Reading, Bradford. Uh, no, yeah, Liverpool Rovers is the only other uh, lower league side. Oh, sorry, Derby went out. Yeah, you were looking at the uh, last last week of it all, but yeah, uh, Bradford. Reading, so we have a guarantee of one lower league side in the semifinals. That's not bad. We get to watch Villa on TV, 5.30 p.m. kickoff on BBC. Uh, yeah, and more importantly, not close to 5.30 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> for for we Americans? Yeah, it would have been 4.30 on the West Coast. Yeah, it was a godforsaken early kickoff, but absolutely worth it to see that win. And another two goals in the cup, which is which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And and hitting the back of the net like you and I were talking about before the show four times. Um, and and you know you can say that sometimes, and they're pretty egregious, crappy offsides. And this was a case where they were barely offside. They were good finishes. They were barely offside. They were, I don't want to call them ticky tack offsides because they were right, but it was. It, yeah, I mean it's it's good they were clear cut though. You know if it's. If it's yeah. really close offside and teams really struggling to score goals, and I don't know, then fans can get on the ref and the ref can get against the team. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, it, I think it was a really good showing, uh, but really only in the second half because the first half looked like junk. So, uh, what's the difference in the second half there? I mean, it, it really the only intangible is Sherwood going into the dressing room. I don't want to put 
a lot of faith into that, into his team talk, turning them around. But I mean, I don't know. Could have, could have had could have had some emphasis. He could have he could have said just go out there and try to enjoy the football. I guess. Yeah, he did tell them to loosen up. Uh, from all accounts, he just told them to play more freely, and uh, it sure showed. Uh, but yeah, so Sherwood seems to be the variable there. And uh, for our third episode, in or we are on our third manager in as many episodes. There we go. Well, technically fourth because they're like co-managers last time. <laughs> Andy Marshall, just the assistant to the manager. The, the double-headed, uh, double-headed monster of the Marshalls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and Andy Marshall, the assistant to the manager, he's the Dwight Schrute of Aston Villa football. Someone's got to do it, I guess. <laughs> assistant to the regional manager. Uh, to so the, the interim manager, the caretaker manager. Yeah. So we talked about Sherwood last week. Now that he's a reality, you happy with the decision to appoint him? I mean, I, I think so. I, I feel like they got really the biggest name that was interested in Villa. You saw a couple guys like Evram Grant. He ruled himself out. But there were, there were some big names in the discussion. A lot of people unhappy because it uh, maybe they say the search didn't extend past the back pages of the paper since, since Sherwood was kind of the name in the tabloids as well. But we had seen him at Villa Park earlier in the season, so you have to think that Fox was at least talking to him for some time. Yeah, absolutely. And given how quickly the search proceeded, it, it seemed like... Yeah, those, yeah, exactly. Faster than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, it seemed like one of those things where Sherwood had been the choice before the decision was made official. Yeah, and, and maybe on that on the day before Lambert got sacked, the day after the whole game, maybe that night, uh, Fox was talking to Sherwood, like, you, you like, maybe double-checking, you know, because... Pretty pretty bad loss, and it, it looked like it was only going to go one way, but since they appointed him so quickly, you got to figure a deal was in place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of downside to Sherwood. I, I think there are a lot of potential problems. We had uh, some of the writers from Cartilage Free Captain on the site talking about him because I actually wanted to get intelligence. Yeah, I, I really like that, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I was really grateful to them. Um, because the problem is, if you just listen to people on Twitter, you can't be sure how much is hyperbole. Uh, so I wanted to get intelligent people who would tell me real honest answers, and uh, they hung Sherwood out to dry. Uh, and these and these are not, you know, just foaming from the mouth fans. They're, they're smart writers, and they had nothing good to say about Sherwood except possibly his work with the youth team. Uh, does that worry you at all? It kind of does, but it, I mean, it really worries me because I kind of thought the same thing with Cleverly, like, oh, not good enough for Manchester United doesn't mean not good enough for Villa, but, I mean, look how that's turning out. That being said, if Clever, like, Cleverly had a kind of a positive start, I think if Sherwood, or at least a neutral start, like if Sherwood can at least, well, maybe shit, maybe it's not good enough because we're in 18th, but if he could, if he could just keep Villa kind of level, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to be totally boomer bust, even though it is. It is Sherwood. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and some of the complaints against Sherwood are very legitimate complaints. The fact that he is uh, his contract, I guess. Say that again. His contract for one. Oh, I hate his contract, but I'm. It's a matter of I guess that's the only way they could get him to sign. I don't really think the club had a, a, a very strong selling point. Yeah, it just. I mean. That was it. Was going to be anyone was going to get a contract like that? I I guess so. Um, I I feel like they could have done something with a lesser contract, but maybe not. 
Um, I've, I've since sort of put that out of my mind because I imagine that before that contract is up, this club is sold. So it becomes less of an issue. Becomes back to being a, kind of a reward buyout like Lambert, which mm-hmm. he actually did get from Lerner, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. So um, the contract kind of stinks. Uh, the fact that uh, Tim's tactics are all over the board worries me. The thing that, that worries me the most about it is that he doesn't like, I guess, defensive midfielders, and I don't want to see Carlos Sanchez swept away. Yeah, I do sort of worry about that, but it may be a problem in the long term. The fact that Tim, from all accounts, seems to be throw everything forward, run a high line, don't really care about your defense. Uh, that may be a, a problem in the long term. I think in terms of surviving this year. That actually may be the very best strategy that Billa could do. At least to to go for it, and even if you get two goals, well, maybe you conceded three, but some days they could have a bad bad finishing day and you win 2-1. Yeah, and given the fact that this defense is really good, I don't see them conceding three. I don't see them... I mean, I feel like like with Villar, one of his best categories is he makes a lot of, like, last-ditch tackles or last-ditch challenges. Yeah. And, And... it, I don't know how high of a line Sherwood is going to make Villa play, but with with Flar and they're making those kind of tackles, or, I don't know, being decent at that, and Brad Guzan always pulls out top saves. Yeah, absolutely. And and if the attack is not playing the way they did under Lambert, which is slow, not hustling, just passing around, if they're playing a quick attack, they can get back a little bit more quickly. They'll be a little more tired, obviously. But, um, but if you use your subs... Yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's the kind of thing where if he plays a high defensive line, if he plays this really forward style, we're going to get burned against, you know, the Manchester Uniteds of the world, the Arsenals of the world. We're going to see what happened against Arsenal happen again, but I think we'll also crush the teams that we should be beating, the teams that we haven't, you know, in a game like Hull, if you play this attack forward style, I don't think if he'll lose 2 nothing. No, not a. I think with a quicker attack because Hull, you look at them, they're bunkered in and they're one of the best teams in the air in the league. Yeah. And if you're pumping balls into the box, Benteke or not, you're probably not going to get on the end of the majority of them. And the real problem was against Hull is we weren't pumping balls into the box. It, it was there was no intent to actually attack. There was an intent to get to the final third and then sit there. Yeah, um, I'm like just like on the outside of the box, maybe a five meters. Yeah, it, it was any, like any side of it. I mean, even if it went towards the byline, you weren't likely to see a cross coming. Yeah, no, it, it was as if the the box were an electric fence, you know, for the the, mm-hmm. the little electric ones that dogs wear on their collars. Uh, we we couldn't see it, but it was there. Uh, I think with what we saw against Leicester in the second half, that thing wouldn't happen, and Villa don't go down one nil because Villa. Villa were dominant in the first 15 minutes of that whole match. If they can get it into the box, they're up one or two goals. Uh, yeah, I think so. And if you if you get up one, that gives you a lot more confidence, even if you don't keep pouring forward right away. It just seemed like they were trying to open the first 10 minutes with a goal, and then when that didn't happen, you were down two goals already. You know that, and then they they conceded a cheap one. Yeah, absolutely. It was just the and, mentality and was gone. It. It strikes me, uh, one of the comments that I saw on our site from uh, a Tottenham fan was that with Sherwood 
you're going to win the games you should win, and you're going to lose the games you shouldn't win, and there's not going to be much in the way of drawing. And again, that may not be a great long-term strategy. In terms of saving the club this year, though, that's going to get them to safety if they can do that. I think so, and maybe even... I feel like long-term, that's not the worst strategy, because you... Look at where we think Villa should be finishing. 12th, maybe? And mm -hmm. then, I don't know, you look at next year, if, if you add a player, your squad gets better, whatever, then maybe you can expect to finish 11th or 10th, and if you're beating the teams, and end up finishing there. Yeah, but, absolutely. I think it may be partially down to different expectations. Right? Win the games you should and don't win the games you shouldn't is no way to win the league or to get into a top three position. It's a perfect way to get into a top eight position, though. Oh, definitely. And, and I mean, if and you're if you look at you look at the cup run that we're in right now, it kind of came out of nowhere. And you could, you just got to think every couple of seasons you got to have it. You're gonna have a chance in the cup. You got to make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's you know Villa right now aren't a team who should be in the top five. I'm happy if they can get half. if yeah I can get ha I'm happy if they can get to the top half right now and you know that's maybe not the ultimate goal but after four or five years of relegation fighting I would be happy to see a team that was safe come January uh, yeah and especially if they're I mean even if you're losing to top teams sometimes you you can do it better than losing five nil to Arsenal yeah absolutely uh, although from what I've read about Sherwood's tactics and whatnot, I I can foresee a lot of that kind of loss happening. I don't think this is going to be. Uh, team well, I mean, if you if you go for it against Arsenal and then, you know. Yeah. You, if you try to, you could try to steal a win rather than setting up to try to get a point. Yeah, absolutely. It it just, I I worry that we're going to be really mercurial, but I am significantly more confident in staying up now than I was this time last week. Oh, un undoubtedly. I think just last week it looked like we'd never score more than one if we'd even get one in the league, in a yeah. league match. Yeah, but you look, look, the thing I want to bring up with Sherwood is you look at Sunderland, they have 12 draws. They have even one, one win less than Villa, and they're two points better off because they've drawn 12 times. I think with Sherwood, maybe you don't get as many draws because you either go for the win and, and end up giving up a goal, or you end up getting that goal and winning. Yeah. And, I don't know, with seven draws this year, you think even if even if we would have lost four of those and won just three, I mean, if you split them, then you're still yeah. ending up with four more points. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, I, I really do think it's a matter of expectations. People thought Sherwood was terrible because Spurs should have been a heck of a lot better than they were, I think. Um, but for Villa, yet, yet he's won a higher percentage of his matches with Spurs than any other manager in the Premier League. Yeah, I do think so. But yeah. it, it is just thirteen out of twenty-four, so or out of twenty-two, so not even two-thirds of a season. Yeah, I do think that win percentage stat is a little disingenuous because if you look at points percentage, he's not quite as. Yeah, that's because he doesn't take any draws. Yeah, absolutely, and but again. I think that's a problem if you're challenging for top five. I don't think it's a problem if you want to be safe and, you know, ninth or tenth, which is what I want from Villa right now. Yeah, but that, that being said, maybe two years down the line, you either you either you have to tell them to play with a defensive midfielder or you upgrade the defenders even more. And because you, you look at, I mean, it's kind of, 
the other, the other thing, Sherwood is the youth players, and a lot of people are looking forward to seeing all the youth players come through now at Villa, but maybe he was only playing the youth players just because he knew what they could do, and he knew they would trust him, actually. Yeah. And that's why you saw Bentaleb and Brian Mason and Harry Kane. I mean, but on the other side, sometimes you just need to give those guys a chance, like Harry Kane. And, and Bentaleb, he's full international with Algeria. Mason, eh, but... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hate Ryan Mason forever and ever. Um, I don't think he's good either. No, I don't think he's all that great. He's kind of mediocre, but you gave him a chance. He's a solid squad player, I think. Oh, um, definitely. The other interesting thing to me is the one thing that's really going to change at Villa is we're not going to be boring anymore. Yeah, well, at least be in the news. Yeah, exactly. And be not last on match of the day because everyone cares about how tactics Tim did. Yeah, and and... To me, you know, 10th place, aiming for 10th place sounds like being the most average, most boring team in English football. But the way that Tim plays, it seems to me it's going to be a, you know, a win or bust situation, which is going to be thrilling. It'll make us angry sometimes, it'll piss us off a lot of times, but when it works, it's going to be a joy, and when it doesn't work, it's going to be a thrilling train wreck to watch. Exactly. It's like one of those accidents you just, you try to look away, but you just can't because... Fascinating. Yeah, and and, yeah. and like you're saying, finishing 10th, while it may be average, it's a hell of a lot better than we're doing right now, and maybe the way that we're going to play now under Sherwood will get people to go into Villa Park. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and be a team worth watching. I'm so sick and tired of sitting there for two hours and watching the dullest football possible. I yeah, yeah, and being a team that you want to pay to watch because they're going to actually win at home. Yeah, exactly, so... I'm excited about this, and, and I wrote on Wednesday, uh, whichever day you're watching this, I wrote on Wednesday that every single negative comment I hear about Tim makes me want him to do better. Uh, I'm, I'm Yeah, and you got to remember, it was his, he didn't have any experience before managing Spurs in the Premier League. Yeah, I'm slowly starting to ignore the analytical part of my brain in favor of the, you know, just flailing fanboy part of my brain. I want him to crush it. I want him to bring Villa to glory. I want him to prove, you know, what I logically think will happen wrong. Yeah, whatever and logically thinks will happen wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, I would love to see him uh, just crush it. And, and the thing that sort of tipped me over the edge was listening to Aston Villa Review yesterday. Um, and, and they did some, they have some great discussion on Sherwood, and you should make sure to go listen to them. Uh, but at one point, Chris says, uh, you know, he probably won't be a great manager here, and if he does, it's a stroke of luck. And the first thought that came to my head was, yeah, but isn't most anything good that happens in sports a stroke of luck? Yeah, it's always better to be lucky than good, really. I mean, like, if... And God really, knows really Villa are to, due needs to for focus on keeping Villa up, I think. Yeah, and God knows we're due for a stroke of luck. Yeah. And I know that's not statistically how anything works, but... Christ, it feels like we're we're due for it now, so why not have it be Tim? Yeah, and at least you're taking a chance on someone you're not. You didn't bring in Glenn Hoddle. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, or a Tony Pulis. I mean, a Tony Pulis. A Pulis would figure. have been funny just to to troll West Brom. Yeah, he's he's a good figure. I see what he can do. I don't think it would have been exciting. I don't think it would have oh, been. No. This is going to be exciting, and I think we'll be safe. It'll be entertaining. Sport will finally give us what we're looking for. Yeah, and it's not like you'd be expecting or even hoping for a ton of goals under Pulis. 
Yeah, exactly. It's you know he's not the kind of manager that's going to give you that. No, but I mean his he does have a perfect record of avoiding relegation, and that's what he does. I mean, there's then again, then matches. again, I feel like West Brom are going to stay up with him or with like regardless with Irvine or not. Yeah, I think they're, so. They're they're 14th right now. I mean, they they could go down, but. There's 13 matches left, and of those matches, it's 13, right? It's not 14. Yeah. Or is it 14? Whatever. 13. Now, and with those matches, looking at the schedule, if you don't think about how Villa have played this year, and you instead think about the team they are on paper, like who they should be, there's seven matches in there I think Villa could win. Yeah, um, and if they, if they won even four of those... I think you're safe, because even with Sherwood, you're due for at least a try or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, and we've got Christian Benteke, who has sucked this year. But Christian Benteke has shown us that in 13 matches, he could conceivably get eight goals. Like, oh, that's exactly, not crazy. yeah. He's, he's, re- he's had those kind of returns over his career. You know, Carlos Hill is not a great shooter, but he's shown a penchant for attempting it. And he's not. And a and look at look at how he plays. He plays quick one-two balls. If you one-two the goalie, all you have to do is pass it into the net. You don't yeah. have to curl it in from twenty meters. Exactly. This is you know under Sherwood and I mean it's tough. I'm I'm basing so much of this based on that second half against Leicester City. You play like that, and there's no way this club is as bad as they've been. No, you play like that, you could still finish like thirteenth. It's still ridiculously tight down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it even worth talking about that first half against Leicester? That that was the last gasp of Paul Lambert, I feel like. You think so? Yeah, I mean, it's it was still it was kind of a quick exorcism, I guess, luckily. But <laughs> Got rid of the just, ghost. I don't know, it just, it just felt like it was a, a poisonous atmosphere again at Villa Park. Yeah, absolutely. And for good reason. The team was playing like crap. Yeah, but there weren't even that many fans there, and they managed to make it like a bad... I mean, do you really blame them, though? Because they knew they were going to play like crap. It was early in the day. The team looked like junk. Um, you know, that first half looked every bit like the whole match. Yeah, it really did. And then you get to the second half. But at least at least Leicester weren't totally threatening. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're... At it least was, you knew they were the, the last place team that they are. Yeah, it, it was pretty much everything we've expected from Paul Lambert. It's it's a match in which we sort of held the ropes, we we were in charge, and we did nothing with it. I mean, we, we were totally in charge, and we looked as unthreatening as was possible. Yeah, definitely toothless, again, just doing, doing nothing in terms of trying to get a shot away. Yeah, absolutely. And then that second half, it's just, it's a rejuvenated team. It's a team with legs under them. It's a team that's willing to make a run. Fabian Delph, for God's sake, got involved in things. Tom Cleverly worked his ass off. Yeah, I thought Cleverly had a really good match defensively. Yeah, absolutely. He made a clearance late on that was pretty important. He's getting getting into the tackles. I don't know. I, I, I thought he had a good match. My favorite thing that I saw in this match was we've seen Villa for a while now having possession. What we've seen go hand-in-hand with that is when they lose possession, they don't work to get it back really quickly. And that changed this match. This was a match in which Villa had some aggression to them, in which they wanted that ball. And they didn't care if they lost it. They cared if they, you know, didn't get it back immediately. 
Yeah, you saw actually kind of some Gagan pressing really if you if they lost the ball, kind of three players even chasing into the attacking half to try to yeah. win it back and try to trap someone and win it. Because yeah. it, if you win it 40 yards away from goal, it's a lot easier to score. There's We saw the counterattack and like with Benteke and Delph the week before and they ran into each other. It was just bad. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and there's just there's just less of a chance for things to get screwed up if it's a shorter counter. You had three instances that just totally stand out in my mind. That cleverly one that Adam found the gift of, with cleverly, you know, just busting his ass and getting back twenty yards to get a ball that had gotten lost. Yeah, that you had Kieran Clark's sliding tackle. Kieran Clark floored Schlup. Jeff Schlup is Except he didn't, he didn't really. even know what happened. He got all ball. Oh, yeah, but he, it was it was clean and he still put his dude on the turf. That, I mean, it's so strange in a game with two goals, which we haven't seen in ages, it seems like. Uh, that, to this me, was the, the single best moment of the match, was Clark just flying in from, you know, off-screen, practically, to make a pinpoint precision sliding tackle that just set the tone for the team. Yeah, he was, like, five yards away, and if he didn't go for the... T- it was kind of like a fight or flight, I guess. If he, if he didn't go in for the tackle, he was going to have to book it back and defend the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because absolutely. That's where the attack looked like it was going. Yeah, you saw that. Um, and everybody and, was everybody was in the other half. You know, they were all gonna have to get, get back. Yeah. So you saw the cleverly thing. You saw the Clark thing, and then you saw Vlars uh, control on a play that looked like it was about to break down. When he controlled it, fought for that ball, and then passed it into Bakuna. Yeah. What an assist for a center back. Yeah. Exactly. And it was very. It was very calm. I mean, that was the thing. That In reality, that was a crazy tense moment, and Vlar looked like it never got the best of him. It was just very, okay, here's what I have to do. Yeah, it looked like a World Cup third-place winner. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Vlar that we haven't seen as much of this year. Um, it, it just it's so encouraging, that second half. And given save, I guess. God, what a great save that was. Uh, do you think any chance Given starts over Guzan? In just next game? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there, there were stories about it, but I, I have the feeling it was people just looking for narrative. Yeah, I, I think so. I uh, think he's happy to be second choice in play in the Cup. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of, we saw Brad Guzan's article talking yeah. about how, how he, he flew his whole family out to Wembley and then he had been the goalkeeper throughout the Cup, but... He got switched out for Brad Friedel, and then they lost. On the last so days. So what, what if, what if uh, Shea Givens just been doing so good in the cup that he gets the start in the cup final, and Guzan, again, has to has to watch from the bench? Poor, poor Brad. We'll never get to play in a final in Wembley. It's his, it's his burden. I guess uh, so. I, but, yeah. I just, that, that match was, in, that second half was incredible. Bakuna's strike... And Bakuna, the whole freaking day, showed exactly why everyone has been clamoring to have Bakuna back in the lineup. Yeah, and he, he got some more playing time after he scored because it looked like he was going to get subbed off for Sinclair, but yeah, you just scored. We can't take you off. Yeah, worked his ass off. That finish was brilliant. Just that little that little dip to the left. Just enough yeah, he's, to a, his... he's a natural goal scorer. Yeah, just, just to pull his defender off balance and then the step to the right and the kick... Uh, it was it was a gorgeous finish. It was it was the exact opposite of Scott Sinclair's finish. I think he's somebody who we could see actually getting a lot more playing time. Maybe I don't know about displacing Hutton still, but 
at least getting a chance in the in the midfield, especially if if you're going to be under Sherwood and he's running everyone to death. Someone who's I mean, someone up and down the wing like Bakuna. Interestingly, at least, at least I, thought, I thought it was interesting the fact that Bakuna took that ball on the left side of the box. Like he, yeah, I mean, the he good, was good playing thing in sort of right-footed. Yeah, he was sort of playing in that Carlos Hill role of just roving everywhere, uh, which I thought was really interesting. I had never thought of him in that role, and he handled it decently well. Yeah, the, I mean, the thing I'd be worried about most would be his left foot, but he has a pretty good work rate, so at least he could get back. Yeah, uh, and and that Sinclair goal was ugly, but, you know, you need a Turned few... Turned out to be necessary. Yeah, exactly. God, who, who would have thought that? You know, I thought it was the nail in the coffin, and oh, God, it turns out to be the winner. Yeah, just the lid, I guess, but... Uh, and to me, the most impressive part of that Sinclair goal, though, was the assist that led to it. Oh, he had a great touch to bring it down as well. Yeah, that's true. He Absolutely. Right. He just kind of scuffy finish, but... But if you keep putting it on target like that, things like that are going to happen. Exactly, and Villa Villa have fired a league-low 67 shots on target in the league this season. Mm-hmm. And, and that, just, that just shows you, even, even lower of a strike rate than Stoke, 36% shooting accuracy, Stoke, 36.6%, two worst in the league. Good lord. Um, Benteke's assist to Sinclair, it's it's like he put a parachute on that ball from 20-some-odd yards away, just lobs it up and drops it right where it should be. And like you said, Sinclair did really well to control it. And, and Benteke, I, I, I think I saw someone, I can't remember, I think it was on our site, mention him in the build-up play more. That's what Sherwood wants out of strikers. And you see the passes, I mean, he can pick somebody out when you seem like 35 yards out in the middle of the pitch, spray it down the wing, can find someone over there. Even, like, not even just with a pass on the ground, you, you see him pick someone out with a, a decent ball in the air. Yeah, absolutely. It was... Like, he's, a, a, he's a decent creator as well. Yeah, exactly, and we've seen that already this season. Um, his ball into Hutton. Was it Hutton? Where he, he just lobbed it Where over Where Hutton brought fingers. it up, down on the wing? Yeah. Uh, was it, it was Hutton's goal, I think. Oh, Hutton's goal, okay, yeah. Where he just dropped it in over the heads of two defenders. You know, just sort of chipped yeah, it up Hutton, and over. Yeah, Hutton, like, thought about screwing it up. but Yeah, exactly, but he had so much time because Benteke had placed the ball so perfectly. You know, we've seen that from Benteke. Mm-hmm. So if he can get involved in ways that aren't just, someone give me the ball and let me shoot, that would be great. Yeah, if there's someone else who can shoot and make Benteke not get doubled, I guess, when he gets the ball. Yeah, and for the first time in ages, Benteke actually looked interested in this match. That too. I mean, I don't, I, that we out. haven't seen and, that in. And I, I feel like with his his finish that went in the, the offside, it just kind of motivated him more. Yeah, he didn't absolutely. End up scoring, but you know, he he looked. He looked like he wanted to, I guess, more. Yeah, absolutely. He he looked good. It's hard to find much of a fault in the team in the second half. Yeah, besides the the tendency to look like they're going to concede three in the extra time, which is the same thing against Burnmouth. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, that's a little bit of an issue, but, uh, you know, they held on. They, they made it work. Um, do you think this transfers over to Stoke? Um, I don't know. You, you'd have to hope so, especially because Stoke lost 4-1 to Blackburn. Coming off two yeah. 4-1 losses in a row, they got walloped by City the week before. So, that, I mean, and at least they're in pretty poor form as well. 
But yeah, you got to think because Sherwood, you think it'd continue for that from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we can get a win over Stoke? Uh, maybe just just because it's at home. Although Stoke, the Potters are unbeaten in their last four trips to Villa Park. Three draws though, just one win for them. But is a draw acceptable at this point? Do you think? Uh, again, it depends on the kind of a draw. If it's if it's two two, why not? Yeah. I mean, I guess unless Villa race off to a two 0 lead, which seventy five percent of the goals that we've scored in the league have been in the first half. I, I guess my issue is I'm not sure a draw cuts it at this point. This is the match that, to me, strikes me as pretty much must win. All or nothing? I mean, I guess if if you're averaging a win every two games, it's a point and a half instead of just drawing for a point. Like, but, what we looked at is if we got a point for every game the rest of the year, and no, that's probably not going to cut it because we know we won't. Yeah. Um, I mean, if this match were a month ago, i say, sure, a draw is fine. Uh, but because of where this match is coming, and the fact that Villa are in the relegation zone and look really bad in the league, I think this is pretty much must win. Yeah, haven't won in the league in over two months. No, and and get Sherwood's reign off to a start with a win. Especially at home, I think. I mean, you know all the people who are just like, I'm never coming to a game again under Lambert. Well, okay, come back and support Tim and give him a chance at least to win you over if they play exactly. well. They play uh -huh. well, and if you come home with three points, and perfect. The thought of a roaring Villa Park getting behind a two-one win, uh, you know, with Sherwood on on in the dugout is just—it would be awesome. It would be great to see that. Yeah, I think that I think that'd be a dream star for Sherwood. I think he could use it as much as I guess as much as the team as much as anyone. And and I honestly think a a confident win here if they could somehow blow my mind and pull off like a 3-1 or something. Uh, I think at that point I stop worrying about relegation and wondering what they can do. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I guess long-term you mean like next year. I think this year really... No, I mean I mean this year. I just figure out what they can do, figure out, you know... Yeah, maybe how... I guess for the cup, you know. Exactly. Because if, um, if, if you could pull off two or three in the, in the league in a row... Yeah. Before that uh, cup, that would make you a lot more confident throwing out a first-choice team. Exactly. Um, God, I'm looking forward to that cup, man. One question that came up on Twitter that wasn't specifically for this podcast, but I thought was really interesting. Uh, that upcoming FA Cup match is against West Brom. Earlier in the week, we play West Brom in the league, both at Villa Park. If you can only win one of those, which do you take? Ooh, right now I'd have to say the league. Really? Just just for the sake of safety? Yeah, because I mean, what if you draw what if you draw the cup match and you play at the Hawthorns? No no no. I I, I think the, the <laughs> point you of split it was them? Yeah, you yeah, you gotta split them. Well, if if we beat I don't know, I'd like to think we can draw Newcastle next week, but if we can beat Stoke and then win again in the league, we'd almost be safe. Yeah, I, I think I think we're would you take the Would you take the cup if we went down? <laughs> take I I would oh if we went down Jesus that yeah. would be, um if we went down I think we would have to win the cup to keep my spirits up. I I guess so. Um, but in that scenario of of you can split the West Brom I take the cup I don't want to see the baggies celebrating a trip to Wembley on Villa Park pitch. 
Yeah, fair enough. I I hate them with every fiber of my being, and I don't want them going to the semifinals thanks to Villa. Yeah, I just I just think we're gonna get the winner of Man United and Arsenal. Which is fine. I don't care. I it, it's yeah. Very I mean, much, it's still getting to the semifinals. Great. It's, yeah, it's getting to the semifinals. It's playing a match in Wembley, and it's not having baggies advance to Wembley from Villa Park. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, I know you've got to get going that, here. So. That being said, it, it would be nice to win both, but... Oh, God, yes. I, and I think it's absolutely possible. The baggies really aren't that great. And they're in Villa Park, and it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, I, I think it's absolutely possible to take both of those. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess just a little a little more on Stoke. They have a lot of injuries, it looks like. Yeah, they're without Bojan. Bojan? Yeah, he, he destroyed his knee in the cup a couple weeks ago, but also Steven Ireland's going to miss, it looks like. Hey! <laughs> well, that's okay, because we all know Steven Ireland couldn't do crap at Villa Park. Yeah, but, I mean, don't you think he's just going to score against Villa? Yeah. It seems it like that's seems... how those things just work. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, they'll be without Ireland. Um, it's, I don't know. I think this is a winnable match. Um... 2-1's not a bad prediction, what you'd said. Yeah, I, I actually think 2-1 is something that could happen. And they somehow make it a terrifying 2-1. <laughs> Go up two goals and then concede in the 85th and then be under siege for the last five minutes plus five minutes of extra time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm enjoying this this paragraph from the ESPN article. It's an unprecedented number of injuries or absences for the Potters who can count just seven first-team players as fully fit. Wow. So yeah. I mean, you got to think that's a that's a great chance. Jeff Cameron suspended. Mark Muniesa tore his hamstring. Um, if you can't win this, you're never going to beat Stoke at home. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. So I I definitely think we go for it. I'm going to have something up, I guess, today, maybe yesterday when you see this, about maybe who should play under in Sherwood's first game. I think it's definitely got to be Benteke up front. Yeah, but absolutely. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. It could be interesting. Yeah. Uh you think it'll be two one? I feel like three two. I feel like Sherwood's gotta gotta concede some goals, but then again I think he I think he gets the offense going. God, the idea of a three two. Uh with Villa scoring three goals is just beyond my mental comprehension. Yeah, maybe Stoke will do an own goal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Villa win 3-2 on the grace of two own goals by Stoke and only one by themselves. Gosh, just last time we played Stoke, it was it, that was a horrible match. Yeah, it was. It, it was blech. But, uh, you know, we can do the double now. This is our last chance to do the double for the rest of the season. Yes, I mean, the, Stoke, Stoke's always a tricky team. And yeah. I was just as shocked when we, we won on opening day, maybe 1-0. Yeah, exactly. At Stoke. So, I, I didn't expect that at exactly, all. Yeah. Um, so I don't see why we can't win at Villa Park. I'm, I'm going to stick 2-1, though, is what I'm going to think. All right. And and you'll go for 3-2. Yeah, yeah, I'll go for 3-2. All right. Well, we don't want to keep you too long, because I know you've got stuff to do this morning. Uh, yeah, well, remember, uh, still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, and, of course, we'll have coverage of the Stoke match for you. That's going to be on Saturday, normal time. So 
Till next time, for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsey. Thanks for joining us on the Holtcast.